Welcome to the Fundamental Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Saladino. This podcast is the result of my relentless search to understand and correct the roots of chronic disease and illness. In this podcast, I will share with you everything I have learned about how to live the most healthy and radical life possible. Thanks for joining me on this journey. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another edition of the Fundamental Health Podcast. I am so proud of what we do at Heart and Soil, and this is why. I want to read you a review from Wayne. My energy level has been amazing since I started taking Lifeblood and Firestarter. I sleep very soundly in the evening and wake up in the morning with more energy than I've ever had. When I look at my body composition, it's awesome. My six pack is back and I haven't done one sit up. I do lightweight training three times a week, but nothing too crazy. Not only is my energy level high, but my mood is so positive. I've been in and out of depression for the past 20 years, but I've never been in such a good space in my life. My family and close friends noticed a confidence that I've never had before. I really wish someone, I really wish this information was available to me 20 years ago, but if someone were to guess my age now, I guarantee they would be 20 years off. So Wayne is taking Lifeblood and Firestarter and it's reviews like this that make me so proud and happy of what we do at Heart and Soil. We make grass-fed, grass-finished, desiccated organ supplements from regenerative farms in New Zealand. And the reason I do this work is because mainstream Western medicine doesn't talk about the important unique nutrients in organs. They generally get left out of most conversations and most people with sleep issues or depression like Wayne has never get discussed. They never have a discussion with their physicians. Their physicians never have a discussion with them about the importance of micronutrients in these animal foods. And so reviews like this make me so happy and proud and excited to be doing the work I do in general, to be building heart and soil and sharing this with you. So if you need more organs in your life, which most people do, check us out at heartandsoil.co.co. Reclaim your birthright to radical health. And I truly believe that an animal-based diet like George St. Pierre is doing this month um, and experiencing great results with and desiccated organ supplements or fresh organs will radically improve your overall health. So check us out, heartandsoil.co. You can always email us radicalhealth at heartandsoil.co if you have questions about how to eat an animal-based diet or which supplement might be best for you. My guest on this week's podcast is Tim Grover. Many of you will know him from his previous books, Relentless and Jump Attack. Tim is a trainer and has worked with some of the best athletes in the world over the last few generations. And there is no hyperbole in that statement. He worked with Kobe Bryant. He worked with Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, now working with Russell Wilson. He's incredible at what he does. And he's written a new book called Winning, I really enjoyed reading it, and I really enjoyed talking to him about many of the concepts in this book, in this podcast. He's not just really telling us how to have a winning mindset for games and competition. Winning is about self-mastery and life and understanding that to do something hard is valuable, but will be a challenge, will drag us through the muck and the mire and the deepest, darkest holes of our psyche we must know these and we must truly believe in what we're doing if we're gonna get through all of this, the storm that is gonna come at us. So enjoy this podcast with Tim Grover. I hope it's helpful and valuable for you in your own life. If you find this podcast helpful and valuable, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you call it, wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps us spread the message of animal-based nutrition and really fundamental health more broadly, which is what I'm about. As a thank you to all of you who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, I give away a signed copy of my book to one person every month. So if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you will automatically be in the running for that. And I will reach out to you if you are the winner. I wanna thank my sponsors for this week, including Eight Sleep. So you guys know that sleep is hugely important to me. Sleep is business, says a friend of mine, and I couldn't agree more. Um, there are so many myths out there about sleep. One of them is that you need to sleep at 68 degrees. 
there's no real universal sleep temperature that you need to give you deep and high quality sleep, but our sleeping temperature probably needs to be able to change throughout the night as your body temperature affects both your circadian rhythm and your sleep quality. The problem with this is that an average mattress just absorbs heat and prevents you from changing your temperature throughout the night. When we're sleeping on the ground, this isn't as much of a problem, but I really love what 8sleep is doing with their Pod Pro. And that's why I'm stoked to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. It's really the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation as you are sleeping. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. It's in the form of a mattress or a cover that you put on your existing mattress and you can start sleeping as cool as 55 or as hot as 110. But what's amazing is that the Pod Pro adjusts each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, your biometrics, the bedroom temperature to reach an intelligently created optimal sleep environment. What's the result? Eight sleep users fall asleep 32% faster, they reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, they get overall more restful sleep. It's become super popular. It's garnered attention from CEOs, pro athletes, overall high performers who wanna get sleep fit. You guys know getting good sleep is the real game changer, maybe in addition to animal foods and organs. So when I use the, the ProPod, the Pod Pro from 8sleep, it will track HRV. It's like having an aura ring built into your bed and in the morning, it will warm up gradually throughout the night. In the night, it will cool down to help you get to sleep. It's really amazing. So check it out. Go to 8sleep.com from slash carnivoremd to check out the Pod Pro and save 150 bucks at checkout using the promo code carnivoremd. So that's 8sleep.com from slash carnivoremd to check out the Pod Pro. My code is carnivoremd. Sleeping well is going to help you guys. Just like Wayne said, get some desiccated organs, get a mattress that changes the temperature, you'll be set. Another awesome sponsor is this, the coldplunge.com. I am super excited about this one, guys. You guys know that I love cold plunges. I love thermoregulation. I love being hot in a sauna and then doing a cold plunge. But it was really hard finding a good cold plunge that was affordable and portable and reasonable. Um, but the coldplunge.com, the cold plunge company really changed this. They have revolutionary cold plunge technology that uses powerful cooling, filtration, and sanitation, gives you cold, clean water whenever you want it. It makes it far superior to an ice bath or a chest freezer. You can use it indoors or outdoors, and it's really plug and play installation or plug and plunge in this case. You fill it up with a hose, you turn it on, you set your temperature, it goes down to 39 degrees and you're all set. I love one of these. I've got one at my house now in Austin and it's an amazing addition for the team at Hardened Soil or for me if I wanna do a cold plunge in the middle of the day after a sauna, whatever, but it is amazing and they're very affordable and very high quality. It's in my opinion, the best way to get into cold plunging in your life. The website is thecoldplunge.com. You can use the code CARNIVOREMD for 111 bucks off. One, 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 one dollars off your purchase thecoldplunge.com, CarnivoreMD gets you that discount. As always, I love my friends and family at White Oak Pastures, whiteoakpastures.com. If you listen to the podcast with Robbie Sansom, you know the importance of regenerative agriculture. Super critical thing to be supporting, guys. You vote with your dollars. You cannot abstain from voting with your dollars. Vote for regenerative agriculture or else you're voting for Nestle and Unilever and Cargill and Monsanto. Regenerative farms recreate ecosystems. They provide the most healthy meat and organs for you and your family. And White Oak is freaking amazing. Whiteoakpastures.com. Use the code CARNIVOREMD for 10% off your first order. Give them a call. They're amazing people. Or go to Bluffton, Georgia and see the farm. You will never uh, think about farming in the same way again. And the meat is delicious. Uh, it's incredible. Check them out. Whiteoakpastures.com. Belcampo.com is another amazing regenerative farm in Northern California doing certified organic meat and organs. They sell heart, liver, fat, suet, amazing steaks. They now have steaks from Uruguay that are regeneratively raised in addition to <clears throat> the steaks from California, but they're doing great work and they are regenerative, carbon negative. They recently were certified carbon negative. They're sequestering <clears throat> these greenhouse gases into the soil in the way that ecosystems are supposed to work. This is the magic of regenerative agriculture. Rather than doing 
clustered animal feeding and feeding grains at the end and who knows what else, which doesn't do anything for the environment or the ecosystem, grass feeding, grass finishing, regenerative practices that rotationally graze, enrich the soil, the mycorrhizal networks, they sequester carbon dioxide in the soil, which allows plants to grow richer, the meat is healthier, and it's way better for the animals and for the ecosystems of the planet. All the other species that are there are preserved. So check out belcampo.com, use the code CARNIVOREMD for 20% off your first order. Last but not least, always appreciate the folks at Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. They're making what I believe are the finest blue blocking glasses on the planet. Uh, they also make red light bulbs, a sleep mask, a red light device. They have so many amazing products to help you really appreciate and protect your circadian rhythm, this important intrinsic biological rhythm that happens in your brain in connection with the light that the retina in the back of your eye receives at light at night. At night, you don't want blue light messing this up. Get some blue light blocking glasses from Blue Blocks. They're actually doing a, a sale now, which is pretty steep. You can get 20% off all orders up to 200 Australian dollars, 25% off all orders over 200 Australian dollars, and 30% off all orders over 400 Australian dollars. Those are 160 US dollars and 315 US dollars if you are paying attention. And we can do the calculations for Bitcoin or Satoshis if you want. But uh, anyway, you'll save some Bitcoin or some cheddar or some US fiat currency if you check out blueblocks.com right now, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. You can also use my code, which is CarnivoreMD, to get a 15% discount on some great blue light blocking glasses, some light bulbs, all kinds of good stuff over there. Thank you to all my sponsors for this podcast on the show with Tim Grover. Tim, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hey, I'm honored, Paul. Thank you so much. You know, I, I really enjoyed reading, reading your new book, Winning, and um, it made me think about this concept a lot. So it's going to be a fun conversation with you today, but <laughs> I thought we'd just start with I loved in the book, you talked about asking people for their one word definition of winning and what it means to win. And you juxtaposed how people who were good thought about winning versus how the greats and the best thought about winning because you've worked with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and now Russell, you know, so walk us through that. How do, how do the best at their craft in the world ever think about winning? Well, it's funny. I would say winning has its own language. It, it really does. And in their minds, you don't find the cliches of let's get fired up or we're going to crush it. And that's entry level to them. That is so entry level to them. The stuff that you hear over and over again, they've been hearing since they've been so little. And it's just like, we know this already. The language we speak is different. It's different. And they want the no BS approach. They want the no BS approach because they know that the race that they're going to enter, that race that they're in for winning, it's not there to protect you. And it is not going to be fair. It is not going to be fair. So when I asked these individuals, I said, describe winning in one word to me. And, you know, you'd get everybody would you'd get the standard answers, you know, oh, it, it, it's a, it feels great, it's euphoric, it's fun, all these different things. But when you talk to the real competitors, they always, they pause for a second. They don't hesitate, they just pause. And then they think about what it took to get to that win and how much time they spent getting to that win. I mean, it's a person, you take an individual who's trying to get to a certain goal weight. You know, they said, hey, I want to weigh 185 pounds. The time you spend just to get to that number, that's what the most toughest competitors remember. So the answers they were giving me were, it's uncivilized. It's hard. It's nasty. It's unpolished. It's dirty. It's uninhibited. It's unapologetic. It's unforgiving because every single day when you try to win at something, those are the obstacles that you have to overcome. That's, that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about 
I got to get to this. I got to get to this win. They got to think about what I need to do right now in order just to get to that win briefly, just for a split second. Because once I get there, yeah, the language may change to like winning is everything, but then it starts all over again. Winning doesn't know your name. It becomes unapologetic again. It, you no longer have that polished trophy because now somebody else is trying to get it. So the way they think is completely different than what entry level individuals think. And to me, it struck me that they were really embracing, like you said, the dirtiness of, of this process, that they were getting comfortable with how uncomfortable it is to really make this pursuit. Yeah, it's well, if you look at it, anything you want in life, anything you want to be successful at, you know, putting a, eating healthy, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. Exercising, it's uncomfortable. All right, saying no is uncomfortable. But winning, what is winning about? It's not, it's a, it's not about the glamour. It's not about the glamour. It's about the it's about the pain, it's about the obstacles, it's about the challenges that you go through to get that payday, to get there, to get that win. That's what these individuals understand what winning is about. It's the obstacles, it's the challenge, it's the pain that they go through. It's the uncomfortableness that they have to create for themselves because as I always say, the brain is built for two things, for survival and comfort. That's what the, you know, you can get all the neuroscience people on there and they'll break down all the terminology and so forth. But in a nutshell, that's what the brain is meant to do. Well, what is winning? Winning is the complete opposite of those things. Winning wants, doesn't want you to survive. It wants you to thrive. Winning doesn't want you to be comfortable. It wants you to be uncomfortable. So. Like you said, you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable all the time in order to continue to see these wins, in order to see what these wins look like, in order to feel what these wins look like. And as you point out, that goes against our evolutionary programming. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah, it's supposed to be hard. It's, if, it, if it was so easy, we would all do it. We would all do it. We know it. Even the greatest winners are gonna have lost more than they won. They just have. They just look at it as differently than everybody else does. They never play or very rarely do they play the victim mentality. They play another V mentality and that's the victory mentality, whether it's a loss or it's a win. They always figure out how can I make this into a victory? I like that what you said earlier, and you mentioned this in the book too, motivation is entry level. And I think about a lot of the mainstream perception of going to the gym and working out and it's pre-workouts that get you all hyped up. And it's, what is the song that's gonna get you hyped up, <laughs> right? Like people, and you know, David Goggins talked about this a little bit. He's like, I go to the gym and I work out without a song because I don't, I'm not gonna have a song all the time to motivate me. It just made me think like, if you need pre-workout to get a kick in the ass, to go to a gym, you're, you're already, you've already lost. If you need your you know, favorite Metallica song, right? Yeah. And so it's another thing I say in the book, and this is great because it brings up the point that you, you just brought up. All the cliches that we hear all the time, they're meant to create comfort all right, instead of challenging you. You know, you know, one is like, you got to follow your path. You got to follow your passion. No, you don't follow your path. What do you mean? You're just going to follow us aimlessly? You need to act on your passion. You need to act on it. Don't follow it. You've been following too long. That's why you don't get anywhere. Another one that I talk about in the book is showing up is half the battle. No, showing up is none of the battle. It's none of the battle. You have to show up. You have to show up. So these things just make us, they, it, it goes back to the motivation thing where it, it, it makes us feel good. You know, you spend so much time in the gym trying to find that right, trying to find that right song or, 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 or that right moment. 
I do the same thing. I very rarely listen to, to music. I just go, and sometimes what I used to do with my athletes to see how focused they were and how in tune they were into their training and how true tune they were into their focuses, I would play the music they hated the most. <laughs> Absolutely hated the most to see how much of an effect does the music they like because when you go to a different arena, the fans aren't going to be cheering for you. Those fans are going to be booing for you. They're, they're, they don't want to see you win. They want to see their team win. So can you still focus and perform at the highest level hearing things that you don't like, that, you don't, that you're not accustomed, you're not accustomed to hearing? Because most of the time in life, what people tell you are things you don't want to hear. And you don't get to choose that tune. You don't get to choose that tune always. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's so true. And, and this is one of the things that I was, that I learned from your book and that I, that I took away after I finished it was, this isn't just about winning a basketball game. You know, these, these, oh. these ideas, I think you've honed from training some of the most prolific athletes in history of our generation, but this is not just about competitive sports. And I want to make sure the listeners understand this. Like these ideas you're sharing in this book, like winning is about living your life as a, the best human you can be. And, yes. and as, as you're saying, this, this, this negative talk, whether it's the music you don't like in the gym, people booing you, people, you know, jeering you from the side of the court, that's coming at you, whether you're in a basketball game, a baseball game, or just trying to live your life and share an original idea with people. It's coming at you more in life than it is in sports. It just gets magnified in sports because there's so many people doing it in one location. But you constantly have to have those battles coming. I always say this, are people clapping for you or they're clapping because they have to? There's a huge difference between the two. You know, you'll see somebody that you go to a performance or whatever it was, or you, you, go, you get a raise at work, or you accomplish something great in school, you have the people that are genuinely clapping for you. And then you have the other individuals that are just clapped for you because everybody else is clapping for you, but it's not, it's not genuine. There's more people in life that clap for you because they have to, not because they genuinely want to. So if there's more people whether you win or lose, that are take that mentality towards you, you better be prepared to handle that. You know, when you play sports, let's take football, for example, you play once a week. Sometimes you have to play twice. You play on a Thursday, sun, uh, Thursday Sunday, all right. So that, that team has to play tw uh, twice. In life, you're competing every single day every single moment you don't get a game plan you don't get you don't get a scout that sends that you could send out and and survey the opponents and get their playbook and learn what they're doing and know what their tendencies are you have no idea you have to be ready for those things because if you're not you're going to miss those wins and wins are available every single minute everywhere they are there but everything that we've gone through in this you know, last year, year and a half, we forgot what a win looks like. We forgot what it feels like. We forgot how to go chase one. We forgot how, what that race is all, all about. And that's what this book is about, that winning is inside all of us. Don't let it stay inside of us. Use it. Go get those wins. Go get those little wins every single day that will get you close, closer to that ultimate win and whatever that ultimate win is for you. And, and in the book, you kind of give these 13 descriptors of winning. And I thought many of them were really intriguing. Uh, you, you said that winners are different and they kind of stand alone. And that one really resonated with me because <laughs> in my own personal journey, I've really stepped outside of the mainstream in Western medicine and, and suggested some things. And so everything you were talking about in the book, I was like, oh yeah. I'm not crazy. Like this is exactly the experience I've had. And I hope that I've had some little wins. 
along the way, but I've had people jeering at me and people, you know, throwing vitriol and people personal attacks. And so it's true. And I, I, I'm living proof that like these concepts you're talking about are, are, are they ring, they ring clear for me as well, because it's like, oh yeah, I'm going through this. And it reminded me, okay, maybe I'm on the right path, but talk a little bit about how different you have to be as a person in this process. Well, you, you have to be genuinely different. People sometimes just act different just to be acting different so they can stand out. But winning makes you different. So the more you win, it's going to make you different. The way people perceive you is going to be, uh, is going to be different. The criticism, the feedback, everything that you get is going to be different and different scares people, all right? This is different does scare people. You know, people have a tendency to shy away from different, or they have a tendency to criticize what they don't know. And the more a person wins, the scarier that individual gets, because the less the average individual can understand that mentality. And this has a lot to do with all the information that we get out there is all about what to think, what to think, what to think. Our whole lives are about what to think. You read a book, it tells you what to think. The previous book I wrote before this, Relentless, the biggest complaint I got from individuals was like, this book didn't tell me what to do. Exactly. Your whole life, people have been telling you what to do. Maybe that's why you're not, you're not succeeding. The greatest champions, the greatest champions, not only do they know what to think, they know how to think. And when you become how to think individual, you start to trust your instincts. You try to trust your individuality. You start to trust who you are. And I, when I got into the training business, a lot of the methods that I had, I had no scientific basis behind it. No one told me in school that this was, this is the way to do it. You know, you literally, you take a basketball player and you tell them, Hey, I need you to weight train on game day. And everybody's like, are you crazy? You're going to have this person lift on game day. They're going to be tired. They're going to be muscle bound. You're going to throw their shot off. And, and then I looked at it. Well, if he doesn't train on game day, literally he's going to be working out maybe once a week. That's going to have more of an adverse effect on the results than what everybody else is saying is going to happen. So you get criticized and judged when you become a how to think person instead of a what to think person. But then you know you're doing something that's scaring individuals. And we all have that ability. We all have that ability to stand out. We all have that ability to be different with our wins. And the more you win, the different ways people are going to try to take you down. But that means you're doing something right. You are doing something right. And it goes against all of our evolutionary programming. So I, right. So I love it. <laughs> Everything. Every, why fit? It's funny. We all want to fit in, but the individuals we admire the most are the ones that stand out. We, you know, you're, you're obviously, you're huge in the health and fit and in the health and fitness game. The people that stand out are the ones we admire. We like, wow, that person looks so healthy. They got unbelievable. They got unbelievable skin. Look at their look at their endurance. Look at their endurance. Look at their physique. You look at all those people, but you shy away from those people because there's, you know, they're like, hey, you know what? I don't know what they're doing over there. I, I don't really want to work that hard. I don't want to eat the way they're eating. Uh, I don't want to rest the way they're doing. It's better to be over here because this way I fit in. This way I fit in and the same ideas I have and the same reasons I fail and the same reasons I tell myself I can't do those things. These people will validate those things for me. Yet when you have a conversation with those individuals, they're like, they don't know any other way. They don't know any other way. And one of the, I really liked in the book, you shared a lot of stories from your history training, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And this is really cool because to somebody like me, it's like uh, getting to peer into this world that, that nobody else gets to see. And, and you talking about some of the things you did unconventionally with Michael, like 
he practiced on game days. Like you were saying, he would go in in the morning and take shots and practice and yeah. also lift weights, presumably on game days. I, yes. I, took, I took special satisfaction in the book when you mentioned Michael's pregame diet. You want to talk about that? That, that really, I think, I appreciate <laughs> I knew, that. I, in my, in my <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that was, I knew that was coming up. So I'm sitting, you know, back in the, we're talking about the late, late 80s, early, early 90s. Back then, carbs, carbs, carbs. Everything is car. Everything is car. Everything is car. car carbohydrates, you know, and bread, pasta, uh, rice, uh, all this thing. You know, it was. That's how you got your energy. That's how you got your power. That's how you got everything. Well, I used to think. I used to say, okay, and I didn't take a nutrition class. I did take some nutrition classes, but back then the research was a research was a little different. And this again was about not what to think, how to think. So. Michael, during that time, the he lived in the, he lived in the suburbs, and you have to arrive at the if the game's at seven thirty, the game was played at seven thirty. You have to arrive at the arena an hour and a half before, which means he has to leave the house by four thirty. For people that don't know, Chicago traffic is really really bad, even for Michael Jordan. He's not getting a police escort to the games. So you have to leave early. So that means you got to eat around 3.30, 4 o'clock. So by the time he got to the game, the game starts at 7.30. By the time you hit halftime, you're at about 8.15. He's starving. He's, he's already, he's already, he goes, man, I, I, I'm starving. And I was just like, all right, how can we, how can we put something in a system that will literally slow the digestive process down, that will allow his body to function at a higher level, be able to provide and provide energy sustained throughout a longer period, a longer period of time, a longer period of time. And also the ultimate thing is perform better. So I said, hey, Michael, I have no research on this, but I said, from everything that I've read, everything that I know, everything that I feel is right. I said, do you enjoy eating red meat? Do you enjoy, he goes, man, I, lo I, love, I love steaks. I said, let's incorporate a steak in your pregame meal because what it will do is the enzymes in the steaks, the protein, the amino acids in the steaks, will slow down the digestive process of everything else that you're eating and it'll allow you to have more sustained energy. Because the one thing he said, I don't like, I don't want to eat right before the game. I don't want to get to the arena and eat. So I said, if we do this, I said, I'm pretty sure. I said, I'm pretty sure this will work. And I said, if it doesn't, we can always, we can always go back. So we started to literally add a steak before every single game. It was like a mainstay for his meal. And it literally changed the way he performed. It literally changed his energy level. It literally changed his mental, his long game mental focus towards the end of the game. Because, you know, if you watch him play, he played extremely hard. He never took a play off. He explained it played extremely hard. He saw the results. And then later, I don't know how many years later, you started to see how, how more important protein, red meat, and all these different things are vital to a, to, a, to a person's, not only performing in sports, but performing in whatever you're competing in, your, the workforce, your schools, whatever it may be. I, I completely agree, and it's sad to me, and this is why I do the work I do, that, that red meat has been maligned and sort of you know, improperly or incorrectly denigrated and I really think that with athletes, it can be super helpful and it, it's a vital part of longevity and resilience in terms of, uh, you know, body makeup and physicality. So it's, it was, I was just really excited to see that. I was like, Michael Jordan ate steak yeah. before. I love yeah. it. The immune system, everything. I mean, yeah, you, listen, as much information that's out there against it, there's as, as, there's as much, if not more information for the benefits of it. Go try it out. See how it makes you feel. Not just once over a long period uh, over a long period of time. And I'm pretty sure 
for the majority of the individuals. It may not be for everybody, but the way it works, it's, it's extremely beneficial. And there's a part of me, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this aspect of my work, but I also love organs like liver. And, and I just couldn't help but wonder, you know, I wish, I wish I could have been there and been like, hey, Michael, do you want to eat a little bit of liver before a game? And he probably would have said, heck no, I don't like liver. And we would have given him some desiccated organ supplements. But hand in hand with meat are these unique nutrients in, in organs. And so that, that's fascinating to me too. And you know, you, interestingly, I've started working with some MMA athletes recently with this like organ and meat type of diet. So we'll be, it'll be cool to see where it goes. But I'm interested was, to see those results, Doc. I really, I really am because that's an extension of my knowledge that I don't know a whole lot about that I haven't actually has a chance to try myself or research or so forth. But I'd really be, I'd really be interested in that. Listen, winning is about performance. It's about physical performance. It's about mental performance. It's about being able to stay focused at, at a higher level than your competition, than the next individual, than the next individual. So. Yeah, there's times that you eat for enjoyment and there's also times you eat for, for winning. And you gotta know how to combine those two to get that end, to get that end result. It's not, always about, it's not always about taste. A lot of times it, 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 the taste actually keeps you from the long-term win. It may give you the, the initial win, but it may not be that long-term win that you're looking for. I think that's the problem with our processed food supply in, in the United States and the West. And so many athletes that I talk to just eat junk. So I'm hoping that I can play some sort of a role in like bringing that awareness to athletes because I really think it'll help them. Now, I mean, athletes like Michael Jordan, a lot of people listening to this might've seen The Last Dance and, and so competitive, Tim, so oh, yeah. competitive. And you say in the book, Michael even admits, he says, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitiveness <laughs> problem. And, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this book, what, what drives these athletes? And then at the end of the book, you talk about the dark side. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I know you say in the book that when you sure. were relentless, people didn't like you talking about the dark side. But I had to wonder, do you think that, that the dark side is what's driving these athletes? Maybe just tell us what, how you conceptualize the dark side and these skeletons in the sure. closet. And then I just wonder, what, what is driving Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, you know, what is driving these guys? Well, it, it's funny. So when I talk about the dark side, everybody first, they think it's not about vampires. It's not about Star Wars. It's got nothing to do, it's got nothing to do with that. So to me, the dark side is what keeps you going when nothing else will. It's that internal fire that you know how to light and you know how to keep it burning when everything else around you is not working. Everything, everyone is calling you a failure. Everybody doesn't agree with what you're doing. It's what fuels you and what keeps you going. I give a great example of this is like, you have individuals that are raised in broken homes. You know, they may have no parents. They may only have one parent. And you have one individual who will use that as a crutch for the rest of their lives. They'll, they'll just use that as, they'll use it as a crutch. And you have that other individual that says, watch me. That's their dark side fueling them to say, I am not going to let this keep me back. I know what key, I know this is my fuel. This is something that's going to keep my fire lit. That's going to allow me to do what I want to do in life. So it's, it's like when, when you're hungry, and you don't have food and you don't have enough food on the table your dark side says get up keep fighting we're going to fit we're going to figure this out because it's so easy it's so easy to let your feelings just say hey i'm going to i'm going to give up so it's that personality it's that drive it, it's that it's who you really are and you're not afraid to show it you're not afraid to show it. you know how to control it but you're not afraid to show it because you're not afraid of being judged. And that dark side fuel that, that just takes you to places that you, can't, that you can't go without it. Because in order to use the dark side, it requires to, to have all of you. And, and many people, they only like to bring 
the good part of them. And that's why winning requires you to bring all of you. It wants, it knows all your secrets. It knows everything about you. You know, you know, one of the chapters in the book is like winning knows all your secrets. It knows all your secrets. It knows everything. And it will take a walk in the middle of your head in the night and it'll bring everybody that you don't want in your head along and see, do you know these people? Do you understand who these individuals are? Do you understand that these individuals may be your greatest assets and you're trying to keep them locked in the closet? So the things you that you put away, the things that you hide, the things that people call your flaws, the people that call your insecurities, people, things that cause that, hey, don't show that to people. Those are actually your gifts. Those are actually your, your flaws are your gifts. Your imperfections are your gifts. You look at anybody who's done something special in the world, who's done something life-changing. And we've had so many individuals in there. They were all called different. They were all called scary. Everybody told them that they weren't going to succeed. Everybody said this was a bad, bad idea. You know, they were living in, uh, it, they were starting businesses in their, in their garages. Their dark side is what kept them going all the time when their credit cards were maxed out and everybody said, this is, this is not going to, this is not going to happen. You can't think like everybody else. You just can't. If you've been called crazy, accept it. Because you know what crazy means? You have the ability to think and do things that other people can't. And everything that somebody's, everybody that's done something special is tapped into their dark side. They've trapped, tapped into their craziness. And look at the end result. You know, everybody says, hey, this is impossible. Until somebody does it. Until somebody does it. You look at Jeff Bezos, all right? It's just like, hey, I started in the book business. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get, get books delivered to individuals where they don't have to go to the bookstore. They can look at them online and then we're gonna get them there. And then now we're gonna start doing other products. And instead of shipping in a week, we're gonna have them there in three days. That's not good enough. Then we're gonna have it in two days. That's not good enough. Then we're gonna have it in, in an hour, that's not good enough. Now we're gonna have it delivered to you. We're gonna have delivered to you in an hour. How many times do you think he was called crazy? How many times did you say he was called different? You don't think so? What kept him going when everybody said no? That was that dark side. He learned to control it, to get what he wanted, to get what winning meant to him. There's an exercise you describe, and I thought this was so cool. Like, I don't know if you actually have your athletes do this, but I kind of want to do it myself. And it was, you know, spread like all of these bad memories from your past yes. on the table. You know, it's almost like you make your own set of, of, of really, you know, challenging, emotionally poignant pictures of your past. And, you know, put your hand across all of them and like, when you find the one that's radioactive hot, you say in the book, that's your superpower. And I thought that's really cool. And it, it makes me it think is. like, I want to do this for myself. You know, what's my superpower? But this is speaking to your point about the dark side. Like what is, for me, it made me think, what is that, that visceral memory, that part of my history that just is radioactive hot that I can use in those moments to be like, hell no, I'm not quitting right now. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. And you and you get to control that energy. You get to control that energy. You you get to you get to adjust the volume. All right. You get to adjust the results. You get to adjust how hot it gets. You adjust how cold it gets. You can't let somebody else have control of that. And that's why I said it's very important with the dark side that you know how to control it. Identify what it is and make sure that you can control it because if you can't control it, it's going to lead to it's going to lead to destructive behavior. Identify what it is, accept it, know that it's a part of you. Take it out of the closet, take it out of wherever it's been hidden and use it to win, use it to win. Another story I tell in the book is like, I used to have this thing where, you know, I used to be that kid that, 
you know, that, uh, that, you know, I used to go, mommy, mommy, dad, there's a monster under the bed. There's a monster under the bed. They come in and they look under the bed. No, there's not, there's nothing there. There's not, you know, this went on for a little while. And then, you know what, when it stopped was when I realized I was the monster. I was, the, I, that was a part of me that I was trying to hide, that I was trying not to be judged with. And then when I accepted that individual, I really became who I, who I was. I became this individual that I'm going to speak the truth. I know what I want in life. I'm going to go out and, I'm going to go out and get it. This is the way I think. This is the way I do things. You can either accept it or not. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I know what my wins are. I know how to other people to get those wins. I'm not hurting anybody along, uh, 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 not physically hurting anybody along the way. Yeah, they're going to be some hurt feelings. Yeah, they're going to be some hurt feelings. But in order for you to get those wins, you are going to have to hurt other people's feelings. You just are. There's a story you tell in the book that that was really striking for me. And there was this, I think it was a basketball athlete that you were working with who had all of this uh, sort of promise and he just wasn't performing. And, and you sat down with him and you sort of challenged him to do two things. You challenged him to be honest with himself and to be alone. You want to tell that story? Because I thought what came out of that was really striking. Yeah, you know, I... <laughs> Uh, number one pick, everybody was just like, oh, this, this, this player is a, this player is a, is a can't miss. It's a can't miss. All right. And then he was just like, he was absolutely playing. He would say all the right things. He would say all the right things. Hard worker did, did all the things that, that, you know, everybody expects a person who's identified as a, as a winner to, to do. And one of the adages I always says, listen, everybody, majority of the people I know are working hard, but working hard does not guarantee success. It does, it does not. You know, you, how many times have you worked hard and somebody who hasn't worked as hard got that raise, got, got that job promotion, got whatever, got whatever it is. Winning has no loyalty to you. So when I got with this individual, I said, all right, really go back. And I want you to sit down and really identify who you really are. I want you to identify what have you, what are you, what are you faking and what is real? What is real about you and what are you, what have you been faking? And I'll see you tomorrow. That that's your first, that's your first mental workout for the day. And you know, he would say all the right things, everything, you know, he portrayed of having uh, the most confident personality, ha having the most supportive parents, having the perfect girlfriend, having all, all, the, all these things. And I said, go back. And then he literally came back and bought, I, first of all, I was surprised that he showed up again. All right? And then he came back with a list of how, how much doubt he had in his mind that he didn't really believe in his abilities. He wasn't working as hard as he should have. His, his, di his, diet was his diet was terrible. The relationship that he was in wasn't the relationship that he, wa that he wanted to be in. So his whole life, he was just like, this is not me. This is not me. So I said, so when you go out and play, you're playing with a completely different individual. You're not playing with the individual that you're supposed to be. So you've literally been playing the sport since you've been five years old. Now you just got to the big leagues. You didn't forget all of a sudden how to play. You forgot who you were. So now let's identify those things again and get you back to being that person and not being what somebody else wants you to be. And then once that happened, his career finally started to finally started to chase around. You know, he had to address those individuals. He had to address his personal relationship. He had to address the relationship with his parents. He had to address what was physically going on with him. He had to address some habits that he had that other people didn't know about. He had to identify those things and bring those things to light and say, hey, can I or can I not win with these things? And then once we did that, I mean, his career totally changed around. It totally changed around. So we have so many individuals in life that when you give them a plan, when you give them a plan, when you give them a nutrition plan, when you give them a workout plan, all right, how many people tell you that 
I'm following this plan exactly. And you're like, it's impossible. Because if you were following the plan exactly, you know exactly what the side effects are going to be. You know exactly what the symptoms are going to be. You know exactly what should, what's going to happen, how they should feel after five days, seven days, 10 days. So most of those people, they're not only are they faking to themselves, they're faking to everybody else around them. And winning knows whether you're faking or not. It knows. Because you cannot fake success. You cannot fake true results. And you, can't, you cannot fake who you truly are. Another test I tell these individuals to do all the time, I, I tell everybody, I was like, pull your cell phone out. And when I do talks, I do this one all the time. I said, pull up your social media profile. And everybody goes to you know, their Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it may be. And I tell everybody, take a good look at it. None of you look that good. None of you. Not a single person in there. So if you're living your life on social media through filters and you continue to do that, it's going to translate into your real life. It's going to translate into your real life. Are you afraid for people to see who you truly are, what your true beliefs are, what your true inside is, what your true mental makeup is? Yeah, most people are. Most people are, and they rather continue to fake because it's easier for them to fake, fake success than to identify with real success and winning. There's a quote you have in the book, winning knows the truth and needs you to admit it. I really like that. Like, yeah, this is, this is why I appreciated the book so much. It's not about winning a basketball game or a football game. This is a book about, not at all. it's a book about how to, how to understand yourself as a human, you know, like yes. winning, winning knows the truth and needs you to admit it. Like, how cool is that? Like, you know what I do, of course I have insecurities. And so it's, it's like winning knows the truth and we have to admit it to ourselves, which I, I love this. The story of this player, like until he sat down alone, which I want to alone. talk about. Yes, until he sat down yeah. alone and sat with himself, which we don't do anymore as humans, or we try to avoid it, he was lying to himself. And it wasn't until yeah. he admitted the truth and really like really embraced that, that that things got right in his mind. Yeah, and then you know. Uh, the other thing we talk about in the th uh, in the book is that you know winning wages a war on the battlefield of your mind, and most of the individuals that are that are creating that battlefield in your mind are who you consider your support system, because they're the ones telling you everything is going to be okay. You should take a day off. You work too hard. You know you, you have no chance at this thing. You have all these things that are coming at. That's why I said sit by yourself sit by yourself not with other individuals that are going to tell if your best friend is too friendly they shouldn't be your best friend plain and simple and if you have an individual that is constantly every time you're going through adversity they tell you it's going to be okay do you really want to settle just for okay are we really wanting to settle for just fine we always want more than that. So the individuals you surround yourself with, if those individuals are constantly telling you settle for okay, then when you're sitting alone, you're going to start settling for okay. When you separate yourself from those individuals, now you get to be truthful with yourself. You get to see what winning really means to you. And your definition of winning may be different than everybody else's. For some individuals, the definition of winning may be, hey, I want to have all the shiny objects. I want to have the big house. I want to have the, I want to have the cars. I want to have the timepieces. I want to have those things. And you have other individuals, their definition of winning may be, listen, I want to have the ultimate family. I want to have a family that's happy, that's secure, that's stable. You have other individuals, their wins could be, hey, I want to be, I want to have the most charitable organization out there or teachers that say, I don't want to leave any student behind. But unless you sit down with yourself and realize, hey, what am I faking? What am I not genuine about? You're never going to have those wins. You're never going to have those wins. The other individual who's genuine 
with their feelings, genuine with their emotions, genuine with their thoughts, genuine with their actions, genuine with themselves are going to end up getting the wins that should be yours. There's this great quote from Nikola Tesla. Um, it's actually kind of scary for me. And it's be alone. That is the secret of invention. Be alone. That is where ideas are born. And I, could, I just thought about that when I was reading this and just contemplating how little of our time as humans in 2021 is spent really alone. That's a scary thing, being alone. Sometimes when I'm out surfing in the it ocean, is. you know, I don't want to be alone. I'm like, but I, I think that the time spent, I mean, how many of us have, have any time that's really alone anymore? And that's, this is what I fear, Tim. And I wonder if you notice this too, cell phones, Instagram, we're never alone. We're never not distracted. Entertainment is there to prevent you from winning, in my opinion. It, it is. It is. It, you know, you listen, Paul, you nailed it perfectly. I mean, you're going, you're going to be distracted. How long are you going to be distracted for? It's okay. Listen, I enjoy from time to time when I'm sitting here, I'm just like, all right, I need a, I need a break. And, you know, I pull up, I'll pull up a YouTube video. I'll look up a on Instagram or, you know, I'll watch a dog video or a cat video or something. But does that moment turn from a minute to 30 minutes to an hour to a whole day? And now you can't get back to, you can't get back to what you really, you really want to do because people constantly need that stimulus all, all, all the time. They need to be like, the brain has to be constantly working because when you're alone, it requires you to do what? It requires you to manage focus. And what we like to do is everybody likes to manage time. And when you're alone, you need to manage focus. And, it's, and think about it. When you manage focus, when you're by yourself, and this is a big chapter in, my, in the book, when you manage focus, how quickly that time goes by when you're sitting by yourself. When you're managing time, man, you're sitting by yourself and you're like, man, I feel like I've been here for an hour. And you look at your watch, it's been seven minutes. That's because you're trying to man you're trying to manage time. When you go into that area and you talk about sitting by yourself where there is no distractions, there is no TV, there is no Netflix, there is no Hulu, there is no there is no cell phone, there is no you know Facebook, there is no YouTube, there's no Instagram, there's none none of that stuff. We've lost the ability to manage focus. We've lost the ability to manage focus. And when you have distractions, we bring distractions in because we, time is moving so slow for us. We need to distract ourselves in order to make time go faster. And I've got to think it's because we don't want the skeletons. They start coming out of the closet and we are just stuffing them back in. No, no, no. If I'm yes. alone, they're coming out. And here's the thing, when you're alone, you're really never alone. You're, you're alone with all of you. And people love to only be alone, as we discussed earlier, with the, with, the good part, with the good parts. Listen, I'm sitting in a hotel room doing this, pot, doing this podcast. I didn't leave my skeletons at home. They got on a flight with me. They, they got, I had to get a bigger, I had to get a bigger rental car so they could fit this. So, so they could all fit in there. They didn't want to, they didn't want to go in the trunk. They wanted to, they wanted to sit in the front. One of them even asked, can they drive? <laughs> you know, and, and you have to accept those individuals, bring, bring them along because they're the best at many times. They're the best part of you. They're the ones that keep you going. They're the ones that give you the ability to laugh at yourself. They're the ones that, they're the ones that complete you because that's, it's the real you. It's all of you. I, 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 yeah, I really like all of these ideas and I just keep kind of coming back to this overarching idea of self-knowledge. Um, there's a great quote from Bruce Lee that I'll paraphrase because I don't know it exactly, but I think he said like all knowledge is self-knowledge. And I thought that's really cool. And to me, when I was reading this book, I kept thinking like, maybe, maybe a big part of winning is about how well we know ourselves. And I think that's what we're talking about here. It's these mental battles that we're going through, how well we're able to move through the mental muck, but also how well we know ourselves. And 
there's other books I've read, the Red Rising series from Pierce Brown. There's, a, there's one of the quotes that stuck sure. out for me. Are you familiar with that one? That's a really great- Yes, I am. Yeah, it's a great sci-fi series. Yeah. And th there's another quote in that book, and I forget which characters are talking about it. It was the same idea. And it was this concept of like, you will be judged by how well you have mastered yourself, how well you know yourself. Do you see that this way? I mean, to me, this is kind of what I keep coming back to. Like winning is about self-mastery and self-knowledge. It, it is. And here's the thing. I talk about being selfish in the book. I said, winning is selfish. Uh, and it's funny. <laughs> what is wrong with taking care of yourself? When did taking care of yourself and understanding yourself become a bad thing? When did it become a bad thing? I've never, underst I've never understood that. Being self-aware of yourself, having a self-understanding of, your, of yourself, taking better care of who you are, understanding what your values are, not what somebody else's values are. But we like, we like to give, every time we think about selfish, it always, it, it, it has a bad rap to it. But we like to make it, we like to put a, like a twist on it. You know, what's the difference between you, you go to an individual who wants to spend time with themselves. All right, if you call it me time, Everybody says, oh, I understand that. You know, that, that person needs that time, that needs that they need the time for themselves. But then when an individual comes up to you and you tell them, not right now, now all of a sudden you're selfish. What's the difference between that and me time? What's the difference between the people that call it a man cave or people that call people call it meditation? Aren't you doing those things for yourself when you work out? That's something you're doing for yourself. When you eat better, that's something you're doing for, for yourself. But those things don't involve other people. And people forget who we are and how we spend time being successful and how we spend time winning because other people start calling us selfish when we start doing things for ourselves. And think about it. The better you take care of yourself, the more you know yourself, the more you understand yourself, the more you accept yourself the more you'll be able to give yourself to others when you choose. The better you become, the healthier you become, the more knowledgeable you become about yourself, the more you will be able to give other individuals. But if you don't take care of yourself and you don't understand who you really are, you're never gonna be able to truly help everybody else. You're not. Look at the battle that you're having. You, when you discovered who you really are and you understand it yourself, the people that accepted you, the people that understood you stayed with you. It created a stronger bond. The people were like, oh, I don't like this Paul guy. Well, Paul has been the same guy. He just understands who he is a lot better now. It, it, Paul hasn't changed. Paul has not changed. He's just showing you all of him now and you only want to see part of him. I think it's for me, like you said, that constant process of seeking some sort of solitude or just some honest appraisal of who I am and the ways that I'm, you know, lying to myself continually and just, you know, being more and more honest and understanding more and more of who I am. And so that, that's, I think, this ongoing journey that we all, that we all walk and that's, that's what makes it valuable. So, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I thought maybe we'd close with this just uh, tidbit that I took from the book. Um, what what type of shoes were you wearing when you met Michael Jordan? <laughs> you know what, Paul? You read that book from cover to cover, man. You know, so so I, I was wearing Converse. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't know I was meeting Michael. I didn't know I was meeting him. They didn't tell me who the client was. You know, I'm a kid that, hey, I was working at a local health club. I had just finished, finished college. Uh, probably about two, three years earlier. The minimum wage back in 1989 for all the listeners out there was $3.35. That's what, that's what it was. So you literally wore your gym shoes until the bottoms had holes in them. You just, you just did. And back then, sneakers were not a commodity. You couldn't trade them. They didn't have the same value they had now. So when I rang, uh, when I rang the doorbell and Michael Jordan opened the, uh, opened the door, I'm like, all right, 
Do I walk in with these Converse or do I take them off? So I take the shoe, I take the shoes off and I got two holes in my socks. I literally have two holes in my socks. So what do you do? Do you walk in with the holes in the socks? I turned my socks around so the holes were on the bottom and the dirty part was on the dirty part was on the top. So I go, <laughs> you know, hey, you got you got to pick one of the evils. Uh, what am I going to do? Not go, not walk into the house, not walk through that door. And, and you know, one of the stories to that thing is everybody's trying to when they figure when that door opens for for individuals and they, that door is going to open for every individual. There's going to be one door that's going to be open for every individual. If you're looking to walk through it perfectly, you're never going to walk through that door. You're never going to walk through the door. So I walked through the door. I sat down with him. We had about a 40 minute talk. I explained to my philosophies, told him what I was going to do. And he said, he'll give me 30 days, 30 days turned into 15 years. And as I walked out of the house, I had the shoes in my hand and he just looked at me and he said, never again. You got it. Never again. My first stop from there was to a, uh, to a shoe store and I bought myself a pair of Nikes. I thought that was so cool. And didn't, when you were talking to him, didn't he say to you, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like he kind of doubted you a little bit in the beginning. And then you worked with him for 15 years, right? Yes. You know what? You ex- here, here, Paul, here's one thing. Everything's gone up in price in the world. Everything has gone up. What's the one thing that the price has never gone up? Talk. Talk is always cheap and it's going to be cheap. So what I told him, he didn't believe. And I, that's why I said, I said, give me 30 days. His answer, he goes, this doesn't sound right. And I said, it doesn't get any righter. Obviously, you can tell I'm not an English major, but and I said, give me 30. I said, give me 30 days. Give me 30 days to prove to you through my actions that what I'm telling you is correct. And I said, if after 30 days you don't like what I do, I'll clean everything up. I will leave. You'll never you'll never hear from me again. You know, but again, what did we what's this literally this whole thing has been going to? Believe in self. Believe in what you know. All right. Trust your instincts. You know, you're going to have fear. You're going to have fear. We're all going to have fear. But I never doubted the end result. I never doubted my abilities. And, and that's why. And that's why I turned into 15 years. Yeah. And look where it's taken you, which is amazing. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm grateful for all the work you're doing. Paul, listen, my last advice to you personally, don't change, brother. Do <laughs> not change. Thank I, you, it, it, took, it took you too long to find yourself. All right, don't change. <laughs>